This episode of Tub Talk is brought to you by Avast Business. With over 435 million active users of Avast products, if you haven't already taken a look at what Avast Business is offering, now might be the time. Visit tubblog.co.uk forward slash Avast for all the links to the details. Right now, though, let's jump into our featured interview. Hi folks, Richard here, and I've got a very, very special interview today with somebody I consider a friend, a mentor, and somebody I grew up in the MSP industry reading this man's book. So for better or worse, I am a product of this man here today, Carl Palachuk. Thank you for joining yeah, me. So, so you were a little boy on your mother's knee. <laughs> Reading managed services in a month. So we're in Edinburgh at the moment. You're across here for the uh, Retain Conference, which is a membership conference run by my friend Mike Morrison in Newcastle upon Tyne. We're up here in Edinburgh. We thought we'd get together and add a catcher. We went out for dinner last night with some managed service providers. Some dinner, Scottish. dinner has quotes around it. Dinner has quotes around it, and there was a few beers and uh, other drinks involved there as well. But it's really good to see you. And how long have we been friends now? Oh my gosh. I'd have to sit down and calculate it, but it's been a while. I'd say at least 10 years. Yeah. And, and when I talked about growing up in this industry, you know, reading that stuff, I know it makes you, makes you <laughs> blush, but you've been doing this, I'm going to guess, for around 25 years now, something like that. I've been in the industry 25 years. So yeah. I've been uh, writing about what I do and so forth, uh, 20 of that. So uh, yeah. it's not bad. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, it's it's all I do is write down the stuff that other people don't write down. So <laughs> you've been very modest about it. Though, but I started my well, I moved to the managed service model with my business. I'm going to say it was around 2004, 2005, um, sometime around that. And it was your books that that I read that inspired me and helped me to move forward with things. And now in turn, of course, I talk about a lot of the stuff that I learned from you directly, you know, with other MSPs. So thank you You're for all large. those years of knowledge that you've uh, shared with us. But, thank uh, you, thank you. Okay, next topic. <laughs> well, we spoke about um, membership sites. Um, so you're here for the Retain Conference in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. So before, I want to dig into your history within the managed service industry, but let's start off with where you are today. So you've got your own membership sites and because you've got this wealth of you know information you say you just write down things that other people don't but it's much more than that you've covered just about every topic in the managed service industry well i hope so i try you know the funny thing is i ran two managed service businesses so i literally i start out with what do i know what have i done and my first book was the network documentation workbook which I like to joke, it did more for me than I ever did for it. I mean, it was, that book took off and it was just at the right time. You know, some things, some things in your life are just being in the right place at the right time. And that book came out when the industry was ready to have standardization. And it may or may not be the best way to document anything, but it was a standard way to document anything. It was easy to implement. And so uh, that got me on the road, got me talking, got me out and about. And then I wrote, you know, another and another and another. So um, today I teach classes. I have a series of five-week classes that we put on. And uh, other people that you know, Ray Ann Buccianico, my brother Manuel, sometimes Eric Simpson, teach these various classes. And uh, they're very well received and there are a, a wide variety of topics relevant to managed service providers. And then within the community, I've put all my books, all my audio programs, all my classes, everything is in the community. So I wanted to figure out a way to say, hey, if you really want every single thing I've ever done, this is where to get it. And uh, people come to me all the time and say, oh, hey, Carl, I've read everything you've done. I'm like, eh, no, you don't, because I keep track of all that. <laughs> right? And I know how much everybody's spent and I know, you know who's bought what. And um, you know, literally nobody had ever bought everything. And so I thought, you know, if it's of any use, well, let's just put it out there so that they don't have to pay extra. You know, they pay one time and they get the whole thing. So yeah, so it's like Carl is a service here, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. If Netflix is that you are uh, for managed services, what Netflix is for movies? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and we were talking about it last night over dinner, but you you reckon there's about ten thousand dollars worth of um just, of just over that, that now? Yeah, we're about. 10,500 in US dollars. So, yeah. Uh, and that, you know, that's counting that 
if I put in a $200 product, then it, I'd say it's worth $200, right? Yeah. So, um, so you can add them all up and you can disagree with me, you know, give yourself a discount or 20%, whatever. Uh, it's still worth a lot of money. <laughs> Definitely. And I wish that service was around when I was first starting out because I've spent a bloody fortune on your stuff over the years, mate. Well, there are other communities, uh, you know, the Tech Tribe and uh, MSP used to MSPU. Uh, I don't know if they're around anymore, but they, you know, they have so much information in them. And uh, so now I'm at the point where uh, the biggest problem is indexing. The biggest problem, and, and I started out with a specific approach to indexing so that in the background we would have control over all of that. And then it's just a matter of how do you present it in a way that's useful. Um, because right now people are you know, they sign up and they say, there's so much information, I don't know where to start. Yeah. And so uh, I've started creating these roadmaps that basically say, hey, if you're the sales manager, start here. These are the top 10 resources that you should look at. And then here are the relevant chapters in books that uh, you, you probably want to take a look at. And then from there, by the time you look at all that, you'll know your way around the system. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, but it's now great value. And obviously, I'm a, I'm a part of the tech tribe. I've been a big part of other communities, CompTIA and others. But I always recommend your uh, work and your community, uh, your membership site to people. Because for me, if you're running a managed service provider, it's a no-brainer. So you can't possibly consume all of the information that you've got within your membership site you know, uh, immediately. Right. But the idea that it's a library of whatever you need, whenever you need it, to just jump in there, for me, it's an absolute no-brainer. Well, it's interesting because there's a lot of people who uh, have not been in this community before. They've, they've been in technology, some of them for 10 or 15 years. They just haven't connected with the community. And so they frequently will be on Facebook or Reddit and they will say things like, oh, you know, you can get all that stuff for free on the Internet. And we're like, mm, I mean, kind of, you know, I think it like the network migration workbook. My brother and I each spent roughly a thousand hours putting that book together. So, yeah, you can go on Microsoft and you can do all the research and you can do all the checklists and you can run through them again and again and again until they're flawless and you can reproduce this on your own, absolutely no questions asked. Will you, hmm. right? Or, you know, say, hey, for $150, right? I just have that information. And it may not be exactly the way that I do a migration, but there's so much good information that you clearly get your money's worth instantly, right? Yeah. So, and, and I try to do that with all of our products. And so, yeah, I mean, anybody can, can go do this themselves. Absolutely, there's no question. Um, but it seems silly to not take advantage of a resource that's out there. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the other groups. ASCII's the same way, is the same way, you know, so. I mean, you're very, very polite about it. I would go a step further that if, you know, you're a, an MSP, whatever stage of growth you are, an aspiring MSP moving from break fix, and you look at, say, $150 for, you know, the resources that you put out there, and you say, no, I'm going to try and do it on my own. <laughs> that's just plain crazy. You know, and you're thinking about it wrong. So I'm going to be more aggressive about it than than you are. But, you know, the resources are out there. And I was interviewing uh, our mutual friend, uh, Naja Moore, from the Tech Tribe. And um, we were saying that, you know, if uh, he and I grew up in this industry reading your material, and Naja very flatteringly <laughs> said, you know, we grew up reading my blog and things. When I was running an MSP, if we'd have had the resources around that are available now, life would have been a whole lot easier. So for me, I'm absolutely, it's a no-brainer to, to sort of pay well, for this material. You two are examples of people who, early in your career in this industry, decided that you were going to take on the business side of things. And I think that's where the, the switch flips, is when technicians realize, if I don't take care of the business side, I'm literally just going to be a laborer for the rest of my career. And so at some point, owners, uh, become business people. And some of them after five years and some after 10 and some after 20. So, you know, it's, it's when you decide that this business should be bigger than me, it should last longer than me and it should, um, fulfill my dreams. I, I mean, I'm a firm believer that in small business, your business exists to fulfill what you and your family want. And, uh, you know, it's not true if you work for AT&T or Microsoft or HP, you know, there you're maximizing shareholder value. <laughs> right? But if, if it's you, then it's, oh, I want the second home or I want a retirement or I want to put the kids through college or whatever. Uh, I know more than one 
MSP that uses their company to fund charities. Like that's the primary goal of their MSP. That's awesome, right? And, but whatever your goals are, you can do it as soon as you decide to focus on the business instead of going to work every day and, and just making enough money to get by. Absolutely. Now, that probably is a good point for us to sort of rewind a bit. So we've, start, we've started the interview by saying where you are now, um, you know, your membership site, the wealth of knowledge that you've created over the years to share with MSPs. Let's rewind a little bit. So for the two people on the planet who have never heard of Carl Palachuk <laughs> and never come across his serial before, where did you start out in this industry? Well, I will say, first of all, I always hate it when people introduce me and say, oh, here's a man who needs no introduction, because my experience is even in a crowd full of people who are well-connected, 80% have never heard of me. Some people have heard of my books, but they don't know who the guy is that wrote them. Um, but, you know, worldwide, if you think that there's between 600,000 and a million uh, IT providers, vast majority of them have never heard of me. So. <laughs> well, for the benefit of those people then, let's so, rewind to the start of your career. So, and how you yeah, got so started. I started an IT business in 1995. And I started working for one client at a time. So uh, I worked for HP. I ran their internal tech support at their Roseville plant. So I supported about 5,000 desktops. And I had a team of about 25 people. And we tried to use as many automated tools as possible. And I had come from doing industrial uh, tech support, you know, uh, corporate tech support. And so I didn't know that people didn't sign contracts. I didn't know that people didn't have checklists. I didn't know that people didn't have standard operating procedures. So I did what I, the industry had been for me. I signed contracts. I had checklists. I did standard operating procedures. And I had a standardized training for my clients. And you would probably agree, the, the luckiest thing that ever happened to me in my life is that somebody handed me a copy of the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber Absolutely. as soon as they heard that I wanted to start a business. I just reread it just this past week <laughs> to remind myself, because it's easy to fall away from those lessons. I, I used to read it every year. Now I read it about every other year. Same here. Uh, yeah. I don't quite have it memorized, but I always get to a chapter where I say, you know, I'm relearning that lesson right now. <laughs> yeah, right? absolutely. Same here. Yeah. And so, so uh, anyway, the I just it was a, a lucky thing for me that as I moved to uh, having more clients and more clients that uh, I had processes and procedures in place. I, I signed contracts and so forth. And I was always trying to figure out a way to leverage technology because I'm a big believer. Everybody says it, but very few people actually practice. Like, how can I use my technology to get more out of this situation? In many ways, it's what technology is by definition. But uh, so I looked at all the remote processes and procedures. I use some tools that are antique and probably nobody's heard of at this point. But then when Small Business Server came along and a lot of those tools were built in and some reports were built in, I could remote into every machine. Now suddenly, you know, my eyes opened. And so around 2000, I literally went through this great experience of the, the Y2K rollover. And the great experience was everybody was willing to spend money. They had no idea why. And yep. uh, so I was just growing. I was signing new contracts all the time, all the time. And then when that was over and things sort of settled down, I went through a personal period of discovering that I had rheumatoid arthritis. And I went through a couple of years where my business was growing despite me. <laughs> I was uh, unable to work full time. I was almost crippled. And it took a few years to get the disease under control. And during that period, I looked back on it and I said, how did I do that? You know, working 30 hours a week and growing my business and uh, hiring people and so forth. And uh, so I wrote a book about it called Relax, Focus, Succeed, yes. which is a guide to balancing your personal and professional lives. And um, so then I integrated all the Relax, Focus, Succeed philosophies into my business. And then it grew even faster. <laughs> so once I intentionally put those into the business. And uh, so uh, anyway, uh, I helped create what we now call managed services by noodling about flat fee pricing and so forth. And I remember my most important employee at the time told me, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. But if you want me to do this, I will. <laughs> so 
So we, we figured out flat fee pricing. I never, ever, ever call it all you can eat. And I don't let other people use that term in my presence. You and I have had conversations about this before <laughs> because I try to, don't I? I call it all you can eat and you're like, no, 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 no. Yes. And we can, we can have a whole separate podcast <laughs> on why that's a bad idea. <laughs> But relax, focus, succeed. Let's just, before you continue the story, let's dig in there a little bit. I That was a book that, and again, this is not uh, the admirate, Carl Palachuk Admiration Society, but you've had such a profound influence, not on just me, but on a lot of MSPs, a lot of IT business people that I speak to. I read Relax, Focus, Succeed probably exactly the right time that I needed to read it. It introduced me to the idea of mindfulness, to meditation, um, and so many things uh, that have come out of that. I now journal. I now teach other people journaling, you know, um, all of these different things. And it really, around the time I was living in my own head as an MSP right. business owner, I was chasing my own tail, read, relax, focus, succeed. And I can pinpoint that as the, you know, it put me on a different a different path, you know, uh, and a path that's led to today, and I'm much happier for it. Wow. And I introduced it to people within my business, and, you know, I've been evangelizing about that book ever since because <laughs> I think it's a wonderful book. It's interesting. Let's talk about Relax, Focus, Succeed just for a minute because most MSPs, most IT business owners, they focus on what's the best tool that I can use, what's the best agreements that I can do, how much can I price these things. But I would argue that none of those things are actually going to be that effective if you've not got the framework in place to actually manage yourself right. in the first place. Well, it's interesting. You know, I have coaching clients that have, who have sometimes been in business 10 or 20 years, and they don't know why. You know, it's like their why consists of, well, I know technology and I like technology, so I do technology. And then I make money at it. It turns out I'm good and rinse, repeat for 20 years. But then they find that they're in a position where they don't have the culture they want, they don't have the employees they want, they don't have the clients they want. <laughs> they're being driven by forces they can't see. And so, uh, you know, we always say that, you know, if you don't know, if a client doesn't understand the technology, then the conversation becomes about the only thing they do understand, which is price. And, and that's completely legit. It's the same way with you and your business. If you don't know why you're in business, then it just becomes about money. And, and so you work and work and work, and you get some money and you realize if you work more, you get more. But there's a limit to how much a human being can work. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people realize that when they get a heart attack or a divorce or, you know, they realize that their kids, they don't know their kids' names. You know, uh, there, there's all kinds of things that happen when you don't know why you're doing what you do. And so uh, I'm a huge fan of, of meditation or daily prayer or whatever, taking time to be... Uh, with yourself and think about, you know, what's the big picture? Where do I fit? You know, just relax and, and shut up for a while and let, let the world speak to you. And so uh, I, I think it's, it's huge. And I always challenge people, uh, meditate for 15 minutes every day for 30 days. Don't even, don't have instructions, don't have a why, just to sit down in a chair, empty your mind and it will be hard. It will be super hard for most people, but it will change your life. It, it literally will. Um, and I can't even explain why, because it's going to be different for you than it is for me. Absolutely. But it begins to help you get the big, big picture. Um, you know, I'm, I'm about to turn 60 and I feel like, I, you know, I've got things right when uh, my daughter goes on vacation with me, right? So, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I can look around and say, yeah, I've, you know, I've I've actually managed to build the life I want. Uh, and none of it is around money. You know, I, I don't have a fancy house. I don't have a fancy car. Uh, the, the main thing I collect when I go on vacation is little pebbles from the beach. Uh, you know, I don't I don't need stuff. And I'm super, super happy. You are, and my wife, Claire, I was on the phone to her this morning and, uh, who, you know, Claire, friends with Claire as well. And she said, Carl is a travel machine. <laughs> <laughs> so you arrived here, uh, you know, you've, you've flown across, you've been traveling for 26 hours straight. Um, you came out for dinner, had drinks, and now we're sat down and doing an interview. But this is the life that you love. You've crafted this life, haven't you? To spend yes. time in beautiful parts of the world with people that you enjoy spending time with, and me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I do enjoy spending time with lots of people. And you. So the uh, uh, when my daughter graduated from high school, 
I wrote down, I want to write more. I want to travel more. I want to speak more. And that was 2010, 2011. And since then, I, I, I literally don't know how many books I've written in the last 10 years, but it's at least 15. <laughs> so, uh, and then I have recrafted, as you say, my life and my work. So they mesh together perfectly. And I write and I travel and I speak. And then, you know, what could be better than that? So between now and the end of the year, I'm in Edinburgh now, uh, going to Newcastle next week, and then home for, for 10 days, more or less. I go to Montreal, Canada for 10 days. Um, then I'm home for a week, and then I go to Australia for two weeks, which includes a week on the beach snorkeling. Uh, then I'm home for 10 days, and then I take my daughter and her girlfriend to Hawaii for our Thanksgiving holiday. And that, and then we, we come home in December. And so, but in all of that, I'm also teaching, you know, we got online classes and, and doing all the other stuff like you, I've got a team of four people who are my core people that it doesn't matter where they are. And it doesn't matter where I am. We've designed a system that just works. Uh, my, my primary assistant, Kara, this week while I'm here, she's traveling across the United States to uh, various national monuments, and then she's ending up in Michigan to see her parents. And so she'll be home by the time I get home. <laughs> so, but we're both we're both traveling, both out doing that. And and you know this is what I want to do. Uh, my my goal in life now, as I you know look to the last thirty years is that I just want to help other people be successful. And I know that sounds like bullshit, but I'm 100% sincere in that. I have what I need. I, I literally, like, I could do this. I could, you know, I could ride out the end of it uh, doing this for the next 30 years or 40 years. Um, so, you know, what, what else is there, right? It's helping other people do the same thing. And, you know, I had fun last night. You know, we get together a group of six people, and with luck, we'll do the same thing in, in Newcastle and I'll do the same thing in Montreal and, you know, on and on and on. To me, that's what my life is about anyway, is just having good friends all over the world and, you know, everybody gets together and has a good time. Absolutely. And it was around the time, 2011, I sold the business and um, moved into this weird sort of space that you're around in the like post MSP business. <laughs> People don't know how to describe us, but um, I wrote in my journal just this morning, you know, uh, one of the things I'm grateful for and that I've got friends all over the world that I get to spend time with, um, you know, and, and secondly, I've got the ability to spend the time with them. Right. You know, there's no pressure on me to do whatever. And um, that was something I picked up off you again. So, you know, another area you inspired me because you started that journey sort of around the same time after I sold the business. And I observed what you were doing and you crafted a life that you enjoy. And there's a lesson there to so many people in business, isn't it? Why are you doing it? What do you want to get out of this? Don't just keep doing it for the money because the money is not a goal in of itself, is it? Right. Well, you know, I always tell people, if, if all you care about is the money, then quit this consulting gig and go get a job. I mean, right now in IT, the salaries are ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, you could go make 75 or 100,000 without having employees, without having hassles, without having payroll, clients that call you in the middle of the night and servers that go down. And, you know, you can just go clock in, clock out, cash your check and, you know, go do whatever you want in your spare time. So it really can't be about money. And I think when you talk to most people, even if they haven't figured out why they're doing what they're doing, it's already probably not about money. It's it's about a lifestyle or it's about helping people. Um, I'm a firm believer that most people go into service businesses because they like helping people. And there are a few exceptions. There's a few real jerks out there. Right? <laughs> but for the most part, when I talk to people and, and say, and, and they talk, I talk to their employees, there's a big emphasis on we provide tremendous customer service, tremendous support, you know, people love us. Um, and so I think, again, you know, that people go into this industry not because they uh, say, hey, that's where all the money is, but that's where all the money is and I can help people. And I think there's a sincere desire along those lines. Yeah. Agreed. So let's, we were talking about relax, focus, succeed. Easy for me to say. Let's jump back to that part in the timeline. So you wrote relax, focus, succeed. 
Take us through the, the journey from there on in. So you've owned managed service provider businesses. You've, yeah, let's let's pick back up to where you were. So, <laughs> so much to unpack. So uh, you may not know this. So the <clears throat> Relax, Focus, Succeed was supposed to be my first book. I had been, you know, writing it, uh, it, journaling, as you say, you know, writing every morning, every morning. And then I started organizing it and putting together a blog. Actually, it wasn't a blog. It was pre-blog. I, I would I had a website and I knew how to develop websites, so I would write an article and I would paste it on there, and then I would point to it from my newsletter. And so, uh, anyway, I thought if I'm going to write a book, I should go to a writers conference because then I, I know how they dress and how they act, and you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I'll, I'll know which clothes to buy, right? And so, I went to this conference and I took work with me because it was going to be a three-day conference. And so um, I was organizing my documentation, right? Why do we have this document? Why do we need this information? Uh, Why don't we need all the other information we could be putting on this form? And how do we fill it out? And what does that look like? So I could train my technicians to do everything they do consistently. And so when the weekend was over, I had written about 90% of the network documentation workbook. (laughs) So, so I put it all together and I put together a sample and I went to SMB Nation and I shoved one into Harry Brelsford's hand and Nancy Williams, who we yeah. both know, uh, said, I promise he will call you. And so she bugged him every single day for two weeks. You said you were <laughs> going to call this Carl guy. And so finally he called me and he goes, oh my God, usually people come to me with ideas, not finished products. And so we inked a deal for him to help me distribute that book, uh, which again, changed my life. Uh, And then he said, hey, can you write a book on storage area networks in 30 days? And I said, nope. And he said, well, how about 90 days? I'm like, eh, probably. (laughs) Uh, And so we had a deal because he had gotten a a grant to do this. Uh, So I wrote uh, the, the sand primer for SMB and then finally finished Relax, Focus, Succeed. So it became my third book. Wow, I didn't know that. That's interesting, wow. So, you know, the, the best laid plans of mice and men, right? So, um, so the, all of that was around 2005, 2006. And, uh, and then I started growing that side of the business, the, the publishing training side of the business, and uh, started hiring people. My brother came to work for me, and so, Eventually, he became president of my MSP business, and we did a major push in 2007, 2008 to get every single client on cloud services. And then I sold my business to the guy who was my service manager, and uh, he ran it for a couple of years. And part of our deal was that part of the payout was him paying me to be his coach. Mm. And so after a couple of years... All of that ran its course. He sold the business again. And so I then felt okay to go ahead and, and start another managed service business. <laughs> so, so I started a, a second one, which I just called Small Biz Thoughts because that's the name of my other business. And so uh, ran that for a few years. And then uh, I had been doing presentations on cloud services at that point for probably 10 years. And just decided I'm going to do a roadshow. So in 2017, uh, I did a roadshow and hit 25 cities in five countries. And uh, literally, it took all year. And we finished up in Las Vegas in December. We had 21 people in the room. Seven of them were from Canada. So even at the end of it, people were traveling a long distance to come see it. And uh, and so then I thought, there's still a need for this stuff. So I wrote cloud services in a month. <laughs> So, and does that does that fill you in? Absolutely. But let's go back to um, let's go back in the timeline. You were one of the pioneers, I would say, of cloud. And at the time, most people still referred to it as like hosted or <laughs> you know along those lines. I can distinctly remember uh, still owning the MSP and standing up at a user group or a conference in front of a room full of IT business owners and saying you need to stop selling servers because that model is going to go the way of the dodo and being booed (laughs) off. How did you deal with the, the pushback from people who were very, very comfortable and making a good living, selling tin, making margin on licenses, and then you're effectively saying, guys, those days are over. 
and now you've got to change and it's all going to be cloud-based. It's interesting. So in 2009, I believe, is when I did my first pre-day conference, fall conference, all-day presentation on you should move to cloud services. And I did it for six years. And, and finally, I got tired of it. I'm like, I'm bored with the cloud. So, you know, by, by 2015, I'm done. I've moved on beyond the cloud. And just right about then is when people started paying attention to it. Yeah. So I, I literally did non-cloud related pre-day conferences for two years and then came back to, to doing the cloud. Um, it's interesting because you make it sound like it's part of the past. Last week, I had an argument with somebody on Facebook who was... They came from Reddit to Facebook. So they are not steeped in this community, but they said, we are not ready for the cloud. It, it you know, it, we're, it's not ready for prime time, da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh my God. So people who, as you say, pushed in, uh, they're still there. They're still doing what got them here. And I love the analogy of Kodak. Kodak invented the digital camera in 1972. And what happened? Well, if you've got a cash cow, the people running the cash cow department, which in that case was film, say, no, 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 no digital for us. And so they put the camera on the uh, uh, shelf. And the only money Kodak ever made off of digital cameras was uh, the licensing of the technology to Canon and Nikon and so forth. And in 2012, Kodak went bankrupt and had to sell off their film division. Right? So, you know, I always tell people, don't sell the last server. Like that, I agree with you completely. That model is dead. And I just had a conversation in San Jose two days ago. This guy was telling me, I don't know how to make money with anything other than servers, you know? And so now he's moving to virtual servers. And I'm like, but your clients need storage. They don't need a server. Your clients need email. They don't need exchange. Your, you, you know, your clients need these services. They don't need a piece of hardware in the next room. And even a virtual server has to be maintained. It's labor intensive. Things can go wrong. It can get infected. It can get encrypted. You know, it, it, it has, I mean, the, the NT file system creates fragmentation by default, even in a virtual environment, and it will be faster if you defrag it. So it takes maintenance. And for X dollars a month, somebody else will do all that. <laughs> so I just, it, it, to me, the model of selling servers just hasn't made sense in a long, long time. And, and I agree that we'll be in a, a hybrid environment for a long time. We have to flush out all the old line of business apps and you know so forth and so on. There are some technologies CAD and dental imaging that just the technology isn't there yet to move that much data that fast. But 5G is going to change the world. Yeah, absolutely. What frustrates you about working in the MSP industry? <laughs> Not very much. You know, I mean, I, part of this is the meditation thing, but uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of frustration, <laughs> so I don't do it much. Uh, I'm frustrated when people know for a fact exactly what they should do and they don't do it. And, you know, you see this all the time. People like, I know I should document my stuff. I don't have the time. I know that I should hire somebody to help me to do menial tasks, but I don't want to have an employee, you know. And it's sort of like, you know, if I look at your business, I can see the big, ugly spots that you should change immediately. And when you look at mine, you can see the big spots that should change. Notice mine aren't ugly. You see the, <laughs> the spots that should change immediately. But sometimes we don't see it ourselves. And But when people do see it and still don't change, that's pretty much the only time I'm frustrated. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah I get it. Who has been um, an influence on you? Who would you cite as being, you know, I cite you, and I make you <laughs> blush every time I say this. You've been a massive influence on me. Um, who has been an influence on Carl Palachuk? Well, I mentioned Michael Gerber, and uh, I was lucky to work with him a few years ago. He was on the, uh, I had an online conference. Yeah, well, was... you kindly invited me to speak at it, and it was one of my biggest ever thrills, being on the same <laughs> bill as a speaker as Michael Gerber. Yeah, I, I hope you still have the poster. <laughs> so, so he was huge, obviously. And, uh, you know, Harry Brelsford, 
who has, you know, he's done uh, so many things over the years, but SMB Nation was literally the foundation of this community. <clears throat> he, uh, you know, Harry wrote several books. You know, he's got many books as well. Uh, but he, he wrote the books on Small Business Server and probably the first five or six books on Small Business Server. <clears throat> and so he would go around the country and he, he could go deep on the technical if he needed to, but he's always been a business-focused person. That's his background. He came from business consulting and auditing. And so uh, that approach has always been useful for me. And he literally went around the world and he would get together at a little airport hotel, get 30 people in the room, sell them books, give them a day's worth of education. And then he told them, when I leave, I want you all to get together every month and talk about this. And so he was Johnny Appleseed going around the world, planting SBS user groups. And they've evolved now to the SMBIT Pro groups in Australia and others. And... Um, you know, but it literally all started with him. And I, I think we as an industry owe a big nod to Harry Brailsford for, you know, kicking us off. Um, and again, the emphasis on professionalism, right? Uh, so I'd say he, he's probably the biggie for me in this industry. Um, and, it, I, and I'm grateful that I still work with him. So we do things all the time. Uh, Eric Simpson's another one. Robin Robbins is another one. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because some of these people, we kind of grew up together. But, you know, like you, you and I get along because when the microphones are off, we just continue this exact same conversation. And we talk about best practices and how to do this and why you shouldn't do that. And, you know, pricing models and just we are just boring as hell. <laughs> but, you know, when I sit and talk with people like Eric Simpson, uh you know, it's all about the things that matter to me. We talk about work. We talk about life. We talk about balance. We talk about the industry. And, um, you know, there's many people in this business. I'm grateful that I've met their family. I've met their their wives and husbands and their children. And, you know, like even when I travel, you know, I get to go have a huge, huge, huge family. So it's awesome. It's awesome. Where do you see the future of the managed service industry going? What are you? What trends are you seeing that you think are going to shape the next five to ten years? This is an interesting question. The um, the industry has been maturing, as I said, you know, for twenty years. It used to be that we were just nerds uh, who loved putting together computers. We loved, you know, our Vic twenties and our Commodore sixty fours, and um, and then it evolved from there. Um, and now we have people who come in and there's sort of a, a division happening right now. On one hand, you have larger and larger companies that are not driven by people who love technology. They're driven by people who look at it and realize 80% of the people, at least in North America, 80% of the companies have no outsourced IT, have never had it. And so... When we look at our entire industry, it, it, it amounts to about 20% of the market. And so these people look at it and they say, that's a big cash cow. Let's go do that. And they literally come in with a big business mentality. They're going to be in six or seven locations all at once. They're going to have lots of employees. <clears throat> Unfortunately, they have very bad processes, um, but they know that there's money there. And so that large group of people... Um, they may call themselves managed service providers, but they are industrial tech support. And and that's that has been going on for a couple of years. And I think it's going to go on and, and grow more in the next five years. At the same time, we have this massive influx of people who used to do signage, used to do LED lighting, used to do security, used to do office machines, used to do all of these other technologies that are now connected to TCP IP. And suddenly they look up and they go, what? I'm one degree away from being an IT service provider? That looks like there's a bunch of money there. And so you have all of these one, two, three person shops who are getting into this industry 
and they've never heard of managed services because that term doesn't mean anything, right? They've never heard of Datto. They've never heard of ConnectWise. They've never heard of SolarWinds. Like they literally, they've never heard of Harry Brailsford. They know none of this. And so that massive influx is going to happen for the rest of our lives. Um, and because there's always some new technology that somebody goes and masters, and then they look around and say, huh, I could do networking. And, and let's add that to the mix. And so I think we're in the middle of that. I think the next five years is going to be amazingly interesting. But uh, there's going to be no shortage of people who don't have good processes, don't have good procedures, don't know that there are standards, don't know that there is a way that if I took over a client from you, you might document them different from me. But I would I would literally spend a day scrounging around because I know the documentation's here somewhere, right? <laughs> Uh, they don't know that and they and maybe they don't have that documentation. So, um, you know, there's there's no end of work for us to do. Absolutely. And the great thing from your perspective is a lot of this stuff is evergreen, isn't it? So the books that you've written 10 years ago, you know, that's they still hold true now because they're fundamental sort of truths about the business, right. I would say. Yeah, I have very few books that are uh, um, product specific. Yeah. Uh, so most of mine are very general. Having said that, you know, I like to update them from time to time. I've updated many services in a month twice. I came across the original copy a couple days ago, and I thought, this is an awfully small book. Like, you know, luckily it was only 20 bucks, but <laughs> it was an awfully small book. And then I look at the, the new one, and it's three times the size because, you know, there's just deeper and deeper knowledge of what we as an industry need to do. Yeah. So... Yeah. I don't think I've ever told you this, but the first book that I ever wrote was never published. And it was for the specific reason you just mentioned there. It was a book on SBS 2011. And I wrote, finished writing the book with my publisher um, the week that Microsoft announced <laughs> we're retiring SBS 2011. Oh. So, um, yes, I, uh, I, I, uh, I made a few quid out of the, uh, the advance that the publishers gave me and they decided to scrap that book. And, uh, but the, the other books have done it, it, okay. Ever what's since. funny is that we're just now getting rid of, uh, SBS 2011. Yeah. So, you know, that is around the corner. So they could have been selling the heck out of that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Maybe I'll see if I can get the rights back to it as an exactly. archive book. So, uh, so talking to technology, what's the, you're still a techie at heart, you know, you love technology. What's the technology that excites you at the moment? Well, I'm, well, I love right now robotics and you know, everything where I look at automation going to the next level, you know, intelligent automation. Um, I have, I, I've got a couple of robots, you know, that little, little things and I build and I, and I dork around with. Um, but I think that that's an industry where when we talk about, you know, artificial intelligence and, and the um, people losing their jobs to robots, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is we're going to augment what we can do with robots, but managing all of that takes technology. It takes people. It takes really smart people. And you know, if if I if my daughter were eighteen today, I would be telling her go into robotics, go into AI, go into uh, the future automation of the world because that's where all the shortages are. Right. You, you'll be guaranteed a job for life simply because that industry is expanding and growing. And it, you know, at the end of the day, AI can be all about data and be out there and, you know, woo woo, hard to understand. But robotics has to be practical. It has to be how do I move this box from point A to point B, deal with security, deal with the, the dogs on the sidewalk, deal with people hitting it with sticks. You know what I mean? Like there's all these practical things. Uh, you know, I do this podcast with Dave Sobel and Ryan Morris <clears throat> called the Killing It podcast. And we always talk about kind of uh, what will come first. Well, I have my pizza delivered by robot or by drone, right? <laughs> so I'm a believer where I live, it'll be the drone, but you know, where Dave lives, uh, he's in, in DC and so they have a lot of no fly zones. And so he's pretty sure it'll be a robot for him. So, uh, you know, but I, that's what excites me today when I look forward. And um, so, 
because, you know, I have my life where I run around and train people on managed services, but then I also have my personal life where I sit at home and say, okay, so what do I do in my spare time? And uh, for me, it's, it's uh, trying to figure out things to do with robots and, and knowledge. I love it. I love it. And perhaps we could record a follow-up podcast in, say, 10 years' time when a robot serves us the cups of tea that we're drinking at the moment. And we can <laughs> refer back to this. Changing tax ever so slightly, you, something else I've learned from you, you generate ideas that are a phenomenal rate. I think you come <laughs> up with like an incredible amount of ideas, but you're also, I'm not going to use the term ruthless, you kill off projects and you kill off ideas like nobody that I've seen before and in a good way. And all of this is meant as a compliment. Um, what is your criteria for working out whether an idea has got legs and how do you then measure the progress and make the decision? This isn't working. I'm going to can it. Well, it's interesting. So I have this approach. If you imagine a rail yard with 12 or 15 tracks, and there's a train on every track. And what I do in my business is I am constantly going through them and you know pushing this train forward, this train forward, this train forward, this train forward. And by forward, I mean giving it enough money and attention and love and, and sometimes employees uh, to move in the direction it needs to go. And so I'm constantly cycling through them. And so that way, nothing gets ignored for a long period of time. And I can do many things at once, most of them somewhat automated. Um, but then when I realize that one of them isn't working, and that's where analytics come in. Uh, I, I literally, as soon as I realize, you know what, that's taking more time, effort, energy, da 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 da, da than it's giving in return. I lop it off. And a great example just recently. So I have another podcast that's the SMB Community Podcast. And for <clears throat> over 10 years now, that podcast has always been a video podcast. So I, you know, get you on the phone and you got your background in your garage and I'm I'm, you know, I got my Hawaiian background and we record a video and then I strip out the audio, that becomes the audio podcast and then I've got the video. Well, I started doing the analytics and it turns out I get about 2,000 downloads of the audio every episode and I get about 50 views of the video. I'm like, for an hour of my life, like that just needs to go away. And so I just drop the, the video and I don't have any emotion over it. It's a, it's a rational business decision. Um, and, you know, when I talk about going through pushing each train forward a little bit, I probably could have made this decision six months ago, but it, I hadn't yet taken the time to go sit down and say, how's that thing doing, right? And uh, as you mentioned, I do many, many things. Um, and part of that's good because I basically, on any given day, I'm doing something really interesting that I really enjoy, and it's different from what I did yesterday. Um, but when something just becomes like, you know, it's just, it's not producing, it's not doing what it needs to do, uh, I cut it off quick and I just walk away and I, I kind of joke. It's, you know, I walk away and pretend like nothing happened. <laughs> I, I generally don't make a big announcement. This is going to be the end. Uh, I just simply, you know, stop the advertising and, you know, shut off the lights and, and, and close the door. <laughs> yeah, no, but you're very good at it. And, you know, over the years I've, I've learned me so many people um, get uh, put too much emotion into it and, and the idea of sunk costs and we can't let this go because we've put so much time and effort into it. So something I've always admired about you, you've been able to say, no, this isn't working. This is going away because, and I think part of it perhaps is because you've got this continuous stream of other great ideas and you're like, well, That'll free up the time to do something else cool, right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. In in terms of the ideas, you know, we've talked about meditation helps, you know, uh, how do you capture those ideas? Because surely your mind will be going a mile a minute with all these cool things that you could do. How do you capture those ideas and decide what you should do? Well, so I would say this is a thing I do that is not meditation, but it's related. It, it sort of evolves from that. I literally leave pockets in my day. I leave holes that are empty throughout my day, throughout my week. And so every once in a while, if I'm working on something really, really hard and one of these pockets comes up and I'm in the flow, 
Well, then I become super productive for that period of time. But if I'm not working on something, then I'll sit down and I will literally sit down, have a cup of tea and and say, all right, so what's next? And every once in a while, some little thing I've been noodling for a long time pops up and I start writing out the details and, and it evolves from there. Um, but I think it's very important to not fill your schedule minute by minute, block by block for your entire life. Um, and then one thing goes wrong and you're backed up. I think it's much better to leave these blocks of time, um, but also learn to be productive. And I think meditation allows you to very quickly turn off the thing that you were doing and, and empty your mind. And that's a that is actually a skill that most people haven't practiced. I think anybody could do it. But if you've never practiced it, then it's hard. And you always people say meditation is too hard or I don't have the right kind of brain for that or whatever. And, and I always remind them the Dalai Lama has monkey mind, right? Everybody has problems meditating. That's, that's, if it were easy, it would be a natural thing that you would just get up and do. Um, so it does, it's a muscle you have to work and exercise. Um, but being able to just sit down and say, okay, I have a free hour or two. What's next? Um, and because, you know, I know you you do the same thing. You've got a book that you're writing on, but you're not in the mood, right? And, and you've got this uh, white paper that has to be done, but you're not in the mood. And, you know, certainly uh, the study could be cleaner, but you're not in the mood, you know. And so every once in a while, you're like, okay, what do I want to do? Um, and, uh, you know, let your brain relax and see what happens. I love it. So we talked about books. You're an average reader. What the what's a book that's excited you lately? Um, the I'm trying to remember the name of it. Daniel Burris, who is a great futurist. Yes. yes. Uh, uh, is is falling forward? I'm trying to remember the name of his book. Anyway, Daniel Burris. We'll 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 get a link and you can put it in the show notes. We will. Uh, he's got a, a great view of how to tell the future. And, you know, he talks about that there are these hard trends, you know, the aging of the baby boomers, the aging of the X, Gen X or whatever. Uh, and then there are soft trends, which is, you know, Microsoft is winning the cloud war and IBM is in third place. You know, those things could change in a minute. Um, but he also talks about how a lot of the future is already here. It's, it's literally it's been designed. It's been built like 5G, for example. Uh the specifics of how we implement the standards uh, are just evolving, but it's here. Like you can literally look at it and say, in five years, these things will be possible because this bandwidth exists. And then your brain can go expound about that. And, and that's literally an opportunity for you and me and everybody else to say, what could I be doing with that technology? And, you know, don't think about next week. Like next week's already planned. It's in the calendar. <laughs> What about next year? What about five years from now? And some of that dreaming becomes possible when uh, you really have an understanding of what the future might look like. And it's not that difficult. And he's got like eight ways that you can look at the future and and um, and see what's coming. And so I, I find that very exciting. Mm. And uh, Daniel's very kindly actually agreed to come on the uh, the podcast and speak to me about that. So keep keep him peeled, and we'll um, we'll have him on the podcast to talk more about that. Staying on the subject of books, is there any one book that you find yourself gifting to other people again and again and again? So yes, there, there's a couple of them actually. Um, I love the book Good to Great. But I absolutely love the book Great by Choice. <laughs> so Great by Choice is one of these books that I keep finding myself talking to people about. And, you know, why do we do this? Right. And, and you know, are you are you saying you're committed or are you like, absolutely, I'm so committed. I've I've looked at all the details and excruciating, you know, detail. Um, and, and, you know, there's just there's so many good things in that book. Uh, and then. Another one, oddly enough, is there's Russell Brunson has a book called Dot Com Secrets and then Expert Secrets, which sounds like they're just generic, you know, how do you do stuff, you know, in technology, but they're marketing books. And in particular, 
uh, in dot-com secrets and expert secrets, he talks about a, a way to look at marketing that to me is very fresh. And um, it, he looks at telling stories and integrating your personal story into your marketing. And so, you know, when you ask me these questions of my life and how I got here and all of that, that's a piece of what I need to be doing in my marketing. And I, and I literally haven't figured out all the ways that I want to do that, but um, he makes it very manageable for you to say, oh, I can do that, right? And one of the things that we need to do in small business, and his book's a great reminder, is we rem need to remember people want to do business with people, right? I never fear that one of my clients is going to go to Best Buy or Ingram or, you know, go get their managed services from an industrial company because they don't want to do that. They want Carl. They want Richard, right? They, they want a human being that they know, um, not to hold them accountable per se, but just to say, hey, this guy's been taking care of my stuff for 10 years. I trust him. Whatever he says to do, that's what we're going to do. That's how people want to do business. And so your marketing shouldn't look like we're big and we're in, you know, uh, uh, corporate and we have 27 people and we do everything. It should be, hey, you know, I'm Carl and I'm really, really good at this. And I promise you, I'll take care of your stuff and you won't get ransomware. And we will make your business better because of the use that you make of technology. That's the kind of personal thing. It reminds us we should be doing that kind of marketing, not trying to compete with somebody who's got a $7 billion budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, makes sense. What would you like your legacy to be? What would you like people to say about Carl Palachuk? Oh, how about, I'm sorry he, he passed away before I could buy him that beer I owed him. <laughs> <laughs> My goal is actually to have everybody on earth owe me a beer. So I'm, I'm working hard on that one. So. You, you're making good progress on it already, <laughs> I've got to say. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't really thought about that, except that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, I, I really want to help people to be as successful as they can be. And, um, you know, when I think about my legacy, I frequently think about my daughter. And when she was little, you know, my goal was I want to get her to 18, uh, being happy and healthy and, and you know, educated and um, being a good person. And uh, she certainly is all of that. And uh, uh, so now I think, you know, I, I want her to be a, a good person who is has decided what success means to her and has achieved that success. And I really want that for all the MSPs and all the people out there. Um, it is literally all I do in my life now is to help other people to be successful. And again, I, I know that sounds self-serving and arrogant, but uh, like, what else would I do? Right. The, you know, it's, I've got to do that, you know, writing and speaking and traveling. And so, you know, what fits better with that than writing, speaking and traveling uh, while helping other people to be successful? So I guess if if when I die, somebody says he helped me improve my business, uh, that would be a good thing. And I think there's uh, a lot of people already saying that. So you're <laughs> they're right, ready for me to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've already helped so many people there. So so let's let's as we uh, come to the end of our time together, let's let's bring things around to managed services, the things that you the thing that you're known best for. If anybody is listening to this and it's their first exposure to Carl Palachuk and the work of Carl Palachuk, what's the one thing that you would say they need to go and do within their MSP business tomorrow? Well, oddly enough, it, it, it is to say that they should commit to educating themselves, to reading as much as they can. And if you don't read, get audiobooks. There's so many good audiobooks now. But your business needs to be about a wide, wide variety of things. And, you know, I read everything. I read business books. I read science books. I love everything in science. Uh, I read fiction. I read everything because... It always keeps my brain working and expanding and the smallest little idea can pop out of the page and you write it down and then you make a change in your business. And so, um, you know, our industry can be very um, uh, frustrating for people as the technology changes so fast and clients don't have the money and, you know, all those kinds of challenges. But 
it's also the case that you will be doing something different in five years. You absolutely, everything about your business will be different in five years. So you can choose to either respond to the rest of the world and let that happen, or you can take control of it and make it happen. And so I think that reading and expanding what you expose yourself to will just naturally be good for your business. Yeah. So, and yeah. start with Richard's books and then go to mine. <laughs> nice little plug there. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. And um, you've already mentioned a ton of resources in our uh, time together today. We'll make sure that they're all included in the show notes. Natalie on my team who does a fantastic job putting together the show notes. She's going to have her hands full with uh, this episode. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So for anybody who wants to take the first step in getting in touch with you, finding out more, where would they, where's the best place for them to find you online nowadays? Best place is smallbizthoughts.org. And it's biz, B-I-Z. So smallbizthoughts.com or smallbizthoughts.org, both will get you to my newsletter. And so I have about 10,000 people on my newsletter uh, every month and another 10,000 slightly different 10,000 that are on the Relax, Focus, Succeed newsletter. Uh, so my my uh, managed services newsletter is every week and my Relax, Focus, Succeed is every month. Um, so, and then, then you won't miss any announcements. And I'd recommend, highly recommend both of those newsletters. I'm not just saying that, but they are must-read newsletters for me, both of them. So Thank you, sir. All, after all this time, I'm still... Eating up every bit of a morsel of advice that you put out there. So, yeah. So what's next for, for Carl Polichuk? What, what can we expect from you in the next six to 12 months? Well, I shocking, I know, but I'm writing another book. So <laughs> I'm, I'm writing a book on the, the rules of service delivery uh, and what I call the unbreakable rules of service delivery. So, uh, you know, you know, the advice you, you say, what advice would I give? Well, this is kind of it, you know, get prepaid for everything. And that, you know, that's a phrase, but to me, it's a phrase that means so much that uh, I take that and it becomes, uh, a, you know, a detailed discussion of how you work that into your business and, you know, how it actually makes your business better, right? And then I've got a, a rule on prioritizing absolutely everything I do. And we talked about some of that here. Um, and so, you know, that becomes a lengthy discussion. And so basically I've got big fat book coming out that's, you know, the unbreakable rules of service delivery. So with luck, Q1 of 2020. We'll look forward to that. I can't leave our time together without asking you a bizarre question. I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> if you were me, having known you for as long as I have, what question that I haven't asked you, should I have asked you at this point? Wow. So I always think an interesting question that never gets asked is along those lines, which uh, I sometimes do when I'm doing culture building or team building. Uh, and that is to go around the room and, and have every member of the company say, what is some interesting thing that you probably don't know about me? Uh, so along those lines, uh, if you ask me that question, I would say, you probably don't know that I spent 10 years as a DJ. Uh, I have- I had no idea. I have 1,500 full-size LP records, mostly uh, pre-electric Western and country music. And um, I have about 1,500 78 RPM and 80 RPM records. Uh, so I have an entire room in my house that is the listening room. Uh, and it's, it's just a place for me to go and enjoy old music that will never be created again. Wonderful. See, I'm glad I asked you that question. There. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, you've been a great friend to me for many, many years. You've been a great friend to the industry as a whole. You know, I'll go on record now saying you've been the single biggest influence on me. So wow. thank you for everything well, that you. I've I've learned from you over the years. Thanks for everything you've done. And I look forward to many, many more of your books, webinars, podcasts, <laughs> everything else that you you are indefatigable for getting stuff out there. So uh, I look forward to all of it. And thank you for uh, coming to join me in Edinburgh right here today well thank you for embarrassing me <laughs> you're very welcome now should we go and find a whiskey absolutely and you owe me a beer so there we go there we go thanks again Carl cheers 
Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Richard here, and I wanted to give a really big shout out and to say a huge thank you to our friends at Avast for bringing this episode to you. In the face of increasingly complex threats targeting small and medium businesses, yesterday's methods are no longer enough. Cybersecurity must be quicker, smarter, and more reliable than ever before. Avast Business provide a range of powerful, easy-to-deploy security products and management platforms designed for IT solution providers and managed service providers. Avast Business offer a variety of cybersecurity products that are MSP friendly. You can choose from standalone antivirus products, managed antivirus products, cloud care for layered endpoint and network security services, backup and recovery, content filtering, email security, patch management, and a management console to easily deploy endpoint protection solutions to devices in your client networks. These solutions are all backed by the largest, most globally dispersed threat detection network in the world. If you've not checked out Avast's secure internet gateway, then I'd recommend taking a look at the video demo that Avast's Paul Fenwick and I recorded. It a full security stack as a service that protects users wherever they go. With 30 years as a leading cybersecurity company and over 435 million active users of Avast products, if you haven't already taken a look at what Avast Business is offering, now might be the time. Visit tubblog.co.uk forward slash Avast for links to all the details. <laughs>